Yes, lad, once again, back into the fray. This is the Alcast, the Ottawa Valley's number one football and fighting podcast. I'm your host, Al Adams. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. We're now the Ottawa Valley's, if not Ontario's, number one fight betting picks podcast. As I had a clean sweep last week to keep my success running. Man, I went seven for seven two weeks ago. And I picked every goddamn fight right this past weekend, UFC London. Every fight that's right, including giving you guys out some good picks. Um, We'll get into all that later on the show. As always, we start off the show with some football. We'll talk a little boxing as well. Obviously, uh, a lot going on in the NFL offseason right now. Starting with the world of football and the gridiron. We got the best offensive linebacker in the draft. Sadly, he was projected to go as high as second overall in the draft, but not anymore as he's blown out his Achilles in a uh, pre-draft workout, working out for some scouts. It looked like he was doing a bit of an agility drill and just ruptured his Achilles, which is a very bad injury. Uh, could take uh, up to nine months or more to fully recover from. And obviously it's going to affect his um, initial contract because once you get slapped with that injury-prone label, suffering a serious injury like that, you're probably not going to make as much money as if you hadn't had that happen. So sad story for Emmanuel Togo, who, uh, yeah, and even the scouts kind of treated him pretty coldly at that workout because as it happened, he's like lying on the ground, like clutching his ankle, obviously, and lots of pain and devastated of what's just happened and like people are just kind of like standing around looking and I'm just like man someone like go help the kid or give him a pat on the back like (laughs) NFL scouts be cold bro like it was very uh it was a weird scene but I don't know maybe they're just waiting for a medical person to come in and be the first one to assess what happened but yeah, I don't know. It just seems like they could have treated him a bit better as that was happening. Feel for the guy. Got a feel for the guy. This Sean Watson, uh, ex-quarterback from the Houston Texans, who is muddled in all kinds of off-the-field issues in court, outside of court, has now been cleared of all charges and signed a massive contract with the Cleveland Browns. we got a new quarterback in the AFC North Looking like Baker Mayfield will be up out of there. And Deshaun Watson coming in, taking over quarterback one position for the Cleveland Browns. So interesting to see how that'll all play out. Imagine uh, he'll need to put on the blinders a bit because people will be trying to get all kinds of news from him about off-the-field stuff. But at the end of the day, Deshaun Watson back in the NFL, I think it's a good thing. Many people saying it's not, but amen. It is what it is. He's back. Pat Ricard, my boy, the big, thick lad with the pancake blocks, fullback for the Baltimore Ravens, has re-signed on a massive, I think it's a three- or four-year extension. A critical part of our run-blocking and pass-blocking sets, as well as a guy who can come in and get you a few yards here and there. Former defensive lineman turned fullback. Big fan of Project Pat and uh, very much glad he has re-signed with the Ravens as I'm sure 
he was a highly touted free agent and had some other teams trying to come in and scoop him up. But he's coming back to Baltimore, baby. So the rest of the AFC North is fucked. You boys better get fucking ready for next season. We were banged up full of injuries last season. The Bengals got mad cocky, but they ended up being the Cincinnati Bungles because you boys made it to the Super Bowl, but you didn't win. So there's fucking no silver medal in the NFL, bitch. So don't get cocky. Pittsburgh Steelers. You got Mitch Trubisky at quarterback now. I don't know how well that's going to work out. And Cleveland Browns, well, we'll see. We'll see. But obviously, I think the Baltimore Ravens are winning the AFC North and going to the Super Bowl next year. Lamar gets his first Super Bowl, baby. Let's go. All you guys sleeping on us. Ravens are at plus 2,200 odds to win the Super Bowl right now. The disrespect. The disrespect of you all. How dare you? Um... The Bengals signed offensive tackle Lyle Collins, uh, improving their offensive line, protecting Joe Burrow, but he won't be able to protect them from the Baltimore Ravens. We're going to get at them. The Rams trade wide receiver Robert Woods to the Tennessee Titans as the Rams made some moves to strengthen their wide receiver core. They had a bit of a depth of talent at wide receiver so they were able to trade Robert Woods I didn't hear for what or if it's been released as of yet but I imagine there's some pretty high picks involved for a talented wide receiver like Robert Woods had some injuries in the past couple seasons but if he can stay injury free that's a a pretty good pickup for the Titans who have kind of lacked uh, passing options at wide receiver it's either that or Tannehill's not as good. It's probably a little bit of both, honestly. The Los Angeles Rams Super Bowl champions extended quarterback Matt Stafford, who they acquired from the Detroit Lions last year in one of the best moves in the offseason. And they just extended him to a massive four-year, $160 million deal. Uh, as we keep seeing these prices in the quarterback market inflate and inflate, it really goes to show the, uh, you know, the priority of that position on your team. And yeah, when they're making up a big chunk of the the salary, you know, they got to, I don't know, sometimes I think like quarterbacks should take a little bit of a hit so they could improve the rest of the team around them. So you have a higher chance of winning if you have a few guys who are star players at different positions, offense and defense. And it's kind of hard to do that when you tie up like whatever it is, 50, 60, 70% of your salary cap with the quarterback contract. It's pretty nuts, but I don't know. Obviously, NFL general managers know more than me. Devontae Adams, uh, NFL's at least number one, if not number two or three wide receiver, former Green Bay Packer, heading to the Las Vegas Raiders in a massive deal as he told the Green Bay Packers he was going to refuse to play on the franchise tag money they were giving him. So they said, okay, have it your way and we'll send you on your way. I'm sure someone will want you. And obviously the Las Vegas Raiders obliged and probably got some picks and some... This and that for Devontae Adams, I imagine. I wasn't sure the details of that trade either, but massive shakeup and a massive improvement, obviously, for the Las Vegas Raiders, 
who were much improved last year. We're seeing uh, their defensive line now, obviously guys like Khalil Mack, Max Crosby. Uh, they signed a good corner, I believe, or a safety. I can't remember the lad's name. It's slipping my mind right now. Now they're going to have Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro at wide receiver on top of a decent uh, running back running game, Josh Jacobs. Derek Carr is a good quarterback. Uh, the the Raiders, the Las Vegas Raiders might be one to put a little sleeper Super Bowl bet on right now. Let me tell you, I have a feeling they're going to be pretty damn good next year. I, it's hard to see it just going through that roster in my head now. Uh, how they uh, how they don't win at least 12, 13 games. Like, they're definitely a playoff team, I'd say that much. Jameis Winston has said he's been in talks with the Indianapolis Colts and the New Orleans Saints. How is the Saints quarterback situation a little up in the air with uh, him and Taysom Hill in that quarterback room competing for a position? He Probably I could see him ending up on the Colts because they're in need of a quarterback one at the moment. And uh, Jameis could obviously get the opportunity there. Obviously, I've heard the name Marcus Mariota, who is backup quarterback for the Raiders this past season, but has played starting quarterback in the past and is kind of still one of these new age uh, quarterbacks, high draft pick, uh, very mobile, and uh, would definitely be a lot of a different look than Carson Wentz was in Indianapolis. But that's one of the leading NFL stories right now is who ends up at quarterback in Indianapolis. And I guess for the Saints as well, if Jameis ends up leaving, but still some names out there to be signed at that position. So interesting to see how that quarterback situation has been shaked up this past offseason. Uh, Tyler Lockett, the wide receiver for the Seahawks, had a good tweet out the other day where he said, Madden's going to look a lot different next year. And I was like, yeah, for sure. Like all these fucking players getting swapped and traded and signed. It's like... One of the craziest NFL off-seasons of recent memory. Maybe in like the last decade. I can't remember one that had this many different storylines and like general managers playing real-life Madden out here. It's It's been exciting. I'm a big fan of it. And the last NFL off-season news story covers Vaughn Miller, who got traded from the Broncos to the Rams late in the season last year. Many experiences. People were saying that he might come back to Denver now that he got his Super Bowl ring or potentially re-sign with the Rams, uh, make another run for a second ring. But no, none of that happened. He opted to sign a massive four-year contract with Buffalo. Uh, I can't remember exactly what the money was, but it was like an obscene amount of money, especially for a veteran uh, offensive linebacker like Von Miller. A lot of people think he's a, a talented pass rusher, but... I think the majority consensus among fans anyways and some pundits uh, in sports media online were saying that it was an overpay for Von Miller in Buffalo. But obviously the Buffalo Bills seeing something in them that uh, they want to improve their pass rush and get after those quarterbacks and their division, you know, Miami, New England Patriots and the Jets. They're going to be, they're going uh, to be obviously having a game plan for Von Miller from this point forward and uh buffalo was right among the best teams in the league last year so acquiring a player like vaughn is uh yeah it makes them even more dangerous so buffalo is one to watch out for next season as well
Okay, let's jump over to the world of boxing, shall we? And the world of celebrity boxing, we saw um, former World's Strongest Man winners, Eddie Hall and half Thor Bjornsson, known as Thor, uh, go at it in Dubai over the weekend, and half Thor picking up a win over Eddie Hall in a bill that was named the biggest boxing match of all time, as both guys were weighing well over... I think 300 pounds a piece, uh, absolutely massive. The ring was shaking every time they took a step forward, and uh, Eddie Hall drop or giving Thor a standing eight count at one point in early in the second round. Uh, half Thor coming back and dropping Eddie Hall two times uh, before picking up a unanimous decision victory, and I believe it was a six-round fight. And uh, yeah, pretty. Uh, I mean, obviously the technique isn't the best to watch if you're like a boxing uh, fan of the, the technical game, but in terms of a freak show fight, it was pretty entertaining, I gotta say. Maybe it's because I'm a fan of the world of powerlifting and strongman as well, and I'm pretty aware of those guys and their work in the past, and uh, I think they're both entertaining for different reasons. Um... Big shout out, uh, True Jordy, who's had good interviews with Eddie Hall in the past, and uh, I've heard interviews with Thor as well on like the James English podcast and some other platforms. I used to love watching the world's strongest man. You'd catch it randomly at like middle of the day on ESPN sometimes, and uh, it's a it's a crazy competition. They're already talking about running it back at some point if there's enough demand for it, or maybe they'll both continue to box maybe box some other people interesting to see where both guys go from here and uh i'm sure it's not the last we'll see of either of them they're both uh massive personalities and massive men so big shout out for those guys getting in the ring together putting on a show for the fans dennis mccann uh i believe he's like what is he uh junior junior lightweight or something he's a pretty small guy anyways he's on frank warren's queensbury promotions in the long line of traveler boxers managed to stay undefeated in his uh first title fight over the weekend picking up his first title and uh, making relatively easy work of his opponent and uh looking to continue to take up a step in competition as he's getting that kind of nice slow uh frank warren build up over there is trying to become the next big star on Frank Warren's roster. On the same bill, Regis Progre beat Tyrone McKenna in a fight, dropping him a couple times in that fight, eventually winning a unanimous decision. And next coming weeks, we got uh, this coming weekend, rather, on Saturday, Kiko Martinez versus Josh Warrington. Is that a rematch, I want to say? Uh, I think Warren Martinez might have beat him in that fight. I can't remember exactly, but anyways, I'm not a huge fan of Warrington. I think he fights kind of dirty sometimes. I've heard some other, you know, I don't know. He seems like a nice enough guy when he gets interviewed sometimes, but it seems like there's a lot of, like, boxing competitors who have, like, not nice things to say about him. And, yeah, he's, uh... He just seems like overly cocky sometimes, but I guess that's kind of like what it, you need to have as a boxer. But I don't know, kind of hope Martinez wins that one. think Martinez wins that one. And also that weekend we got Tim Sue versus Terrell Gusha. Sue is a very 
heavy favorite in that one. So I imagine he makes it through no problems. And next coming uh, weeks, or I guess it's early April, we've got uh, Triple G Gennady Golovkin back in action against uh, Japanese banger Ryoto Murata. Uh, great little title fight going on there in the middleweight division. Um, obviously Golovkin's been called out by all kinds of guys recently. That third Canelo fight's been rumored in the mix. Chris Eubank Jr.'s been chomping at the bit to get at him for a while. Might be an interesting return fight for Billy Joe Saunders if he gets his weight down. And, uh, but I think Ryoto Murata, he's one to watch out for in that one. Obviously, Triple G always comes in prepared, but... Murata could definitely play upset in this one. He's very much a live dog. He's a banger, and uh, the way Golovkin fights, he can get checked on his chin if he comes in sometimes, so we'll see. He's getting a little long in the tooth, this Triple G as well, so his age could start catching up to him. You know, it, sometimes it shows up overnight, even though he did look good in his last fight. Also that weekend is Ryan Garcia's big comeback fight. I feel like he's been out of the ring for over a year now since we've last seen him in his fight with Luke Campbell. And he'll be going up against undefeated Emmanuel Tago. But Ryan Garcia, very heavy favorite in that one as well, even though he's been out of the ring for a long time. It's going to be interesting to see how he looks coming back, especially now that he's left that uh, Canelo camp with Eddie Reynoso and all those guys. Obviously splitting ways having their differences both uh camps kind of firing little shots back and forth at each other but uh obviously just hope ryan garcia comes back and looks good after some of the out of the ring mental health adversity that guy goes through you can tell he's um going through it sometimes and you know sometimes you just uh life can be more of a struggle for some people how your brain operates i can I can definitely relate to that, so I just hope for the best for Ryan Garcia, man, and obviously Emmanuel Tago, this is a big shot for him to go in there and beat one of the most talked about guys in boxing, certainly has one of the largest social media followings in boxing, so interesting matchup there stylistically. Okay, let's quickly talk about UFC London, shall we, as that was my best betting weekend of the last hot minute um i got to pull it up here on my other phone i had to find this phone it was hard work today because i set it down somewhere you know you sit down your phone and like 10 seconds later you forget where the hell you put it well that happened to me but luckily google has a nice feature big shout out google is even if your phone doesn't have a phone number like this one does i just use it for the internet mostly I can use it to uh, find my phone if it's connected to my Google account. So I was able to just like play a little ringtone over my phone and find it pretty quickly there. So big shout out technology. Anywho, uh, UFC London will do a quick rundown of this past um, week's event here. Just a sec, I gotta pull it up. I don't know why it's not showing the the fights. Here we go, come on. I don't know why. They were just there. Uh, Jijaba. Just a sec, guys, sorry. 
Maybe I'll pause this. All right, I got it up. It disappeared on me there for some reason. I don't know why. Start with the prelims. We saw undefeated flyweight sensation make a huge debut. Muhammad Makayev came in and beat Cody Durden uh, relatively early in the first round, securing, I believe it was a guillotine choke or some kind of modified guillotine choke and made quick work of Cody Durden saying he wants to be the next uh, youngest UFC champion in history, beating John Jones' record, so he wants to get that quick run, calling out Tim Elliott after the fight, so he's going after the flyweight division relatively quickly, and he's got a lot of hype behind him, and he he looked really good in his debut, so uh, I could definitely see it, maybe even potentially him getting a title shot by the end of next year, if he stays active and gets three or four fights in this year. Uh, one of the only foreigners to win on UK soil on the card, Elise Reed, beat Welsh woman Corey McKenna by unanimous decision, improving to 5-1. and one. Uh, Welsh fighter Jack Shore improved to 16-0 against hard-nosed Russian Timur Valiev in a unanimous decision victory, almost securing a submission a couple times, but... Uh, the card or the fight ending up at the decision and Jack Shore getting a pretty decisive victory there. Paul Craig secured a first round choke on Nikita Krylov, uh, improving to 16 4 and 1, calling out Anthony Smith. He wants to fight in uh, Glasgow and in, in his home country in Scotland in June. Dana White saying that's unlikely, but who knows? Maybe Paul Craig will get in there. Hopefully, he'll fight Anthony Smith. That'll be a good number one contender fight both guys being on a bit of a run right now uh paul craig looking very impressive as of late submitting the majority of his opponents uh hot heavyweight prospect sergey pavlovich improved to 15 and 1 with a knockout victory over shamil abdurakhanov and uh looking very impressive in his fight makwan americani got a first round submission against englishman mike grundy um, the Finnish, uh, guy, after breaking his losing streak, rather, Makwan Amerikani, and picking up a win on the road. Ilya Taporia, uh, hard-nosed Spaniard, improved to 12-0 against Englishman Jai Herbert after he kind of got boxed up in the first round. The second round of his fight, he came out swanging, uh, it looked like he had a broken nose, but backed up Herbert against the cage, landed a hard shot to the body and came over the top with an overhand right and knocked Herbert out cold. It was a very nasty, vicious knockout. And obviously Tapuria's got incredibly heavy hands, and uh, a featherweight fighting at the, the class above him and still managed to knock out a, uh, a, a good striking lightweight. So very impressive Ilya Tapuria. Um, got a bottle of hand sanitizer, bounced off his head by Patty Pimblett earlier in the week, but still. <laughs> uh, Molly McCann got a third round spinning elbow. Lots of people saying knockout of the year contender, if not knockout of the year. Victory over Brazilian Luana Carolina. Obviously the meatball, um, probably or definitely, I'd say her most impressive performance to date in the UFC, showing impressive boxing ability early in the fight. Uh, kind of uh, backing off a little in the second round. Maybe it was one round apiece going into the third round, you could say. And uh, obviously making emphatic fashion 
I kind of bungled those words together, but having a win of emphatic fashion with that spinning elbow, uh, Carolina was out cold, and for quite some time it was a bit of a scary knockout, but the meatball improving to 12-4, and four, one of my favorite fighters to watch, men or women. Welterweight Gunnar Nelson had came back after being three years out of the octagon, improving to 18-5-1 with a unanimous decision victory over Taka. Takashi Sato, lightweight hot prospect, maybe the hottest prospect in the game right now. Patty Pimblett, uh, former Cage Warriors champ, double champ, improved to 18-3 with a first-round submission via, was it Triangle, I think, over Brazilian Rodrigo, or Mexican, rather, Rodrigo Vargas, who is 12-5. Pimblett getting checked with a left hook early in the fight again kind of uh, becoming a bit of a staple for him to get rocked early in his fights. It's not a good look if you want to have longevity in the game, but he always says he needs to take a punch to feel like he's warmed up into the fight. Uh, it'd be nice if he could get a victory here without so much adversity, but he hit a nice judo throw along the cage, and it seemed like once he got on the ground and in a good p- position against Vargas, it was game over relatively quickly for uh, Patty the Batty Pimblet. In the co-main event, we saw Arnold Almighty Allen pick up a first-round knockout of uh, Dan Hooker, who came down from lightweight, was looking like uh, Christian Bale and the machinist at featherweight. I think most people saying it looked like his weight cut was a little too brutal on him. Uh, he looked uh, relatively drained. I thought his punch resistance was didn't seem the great. It seemed like every shot he was getting hit with was really doing... Uh, significant damage. Obviously, Arnold Allen can bang is one of the strongest guys at featherweight, if not the strongest. I mean, the guy's like a specimen. But uh, yeah, he hit Hooker and seemingly damaged him early in the fight. Hooker got back into it a little bit as he was doing a good job staying out of range, protecting himself for a moment, and then managed to clip Allen with a counter shot. But that almost always, re- even if it stung Allen a little bit seemed to reinvigorate him and he just like decided to say fuck it and come out and swing and he was unloading a barrage of hooks and elbows on Hooker and had him backed up against the cage and bloodied not in uh, a good way and uh, Arnold Allen got the stoppage victory halfway through the first round of that fight Uh, obviously looks like Allen probably moves on to either a number one contender fight, hopefully, or a title fight. And who knows where Dan Hooker goes from here. you got a feel for the hangman uh, dropping his featherweight uh, comeback. And in the people's main event and the real main event, we saw... uh, Well, I I did actually say Paddy Pimblett was the hottest prospect in the UK, but it might very well be Tom Aspinall who could be the next heavyweight champion of the world and the next Englishman to win a, a UFC title. He improved to 12-2 and two with a first-round straight-arm lock submission over uh, longtime UFC veteran Alexander Volkov, uh, beating the massive Russian, taking him down multiple times throughout the fight. Also, seemed like he had his number on the feet. It seemed like wherever the fight went, Aspinall was uh, the more dominant one. Volkov barely landing any damaging shots on him throughout the fight. Aspinall landing some hard ground and pound, some hard uh, punch combinations on the feet. Seemed like he was the 
the much quicker, the much more athletic, and uh, the much more dominant grappler as well. So Aspinall really looked impressive and had his number, and he called out Tai Tuivasa after the fight, the hard-nosed Australian who's just coming off a series of wins, including uh, Derek Lewis. So Aspinall versus... Tied to Ivasa for the interim championship makes a lot of sense right now if Nganu's contract situation is still up in the air. Obviously, Cyril Gan still in the mix as he's the most recent contender, but uh, interesting to see how that UFC heavyweight picture is going to shake out over the next little while. Anywho's, we went pretty long in the tooth there during the, uh, the Volkov-Aspinall rundown, but I'll quickly run through my picks and predictions for the next UFC Fight Night this coming uh, Saturday, which is UFC Fight Night. Curtis Blades versus Chris Daukas. I'll be forthright, forthright and honest with you guys here. I definitely knew more about the participants of the UFC London card than this card. I'm unfamiliar with quite a few of these fighters, so take my picks with a grain of salt, but... As we go along making my picks, I'll let you know which ones I feel the most confident about. So, get your pens and papers out, and don't worry if you uh, miss any I give. You can always go back, rewind, play back, and uh, yeah, let's make some money. I've been printing money the last couple of weeks with these fight picks, so let's see if I can continue for you people. Curtis Blades against Chris Daukas in the main event. Okay, this one I'm pretty confident about. I think Curtis Blade improves. I think Chris Daukas is less athletic. Probably doesn't hit as hard. I don't think his grappling's as good. I gave a good look at that one on Tapology, and I'm pretty confident in saying Curtis Blade's going to pick up the victory there, albeit it's heavyweight MMA. So, you know, Daukas does win most of his fights by knockout or TKO if he does win. But he does seem to have some issues with uh, good grapplers. So I'm giving the edge to Curtis Blades in that one. And then we got Scotswoman Joanne Wood against Alexa Grasso in the co-main event. Uh, obviously Grasso having a lot of momentum behind her right now. The UFC, I think, building up her as uh, a potential uh, next contender for a championship. So I got Grasso in that one. Fairly confident. This one I've gone back and forth with multiple times. Askar Askarov, who's 14-0-1 against Kaikara France, man. It's a, it's a scary matchup. I might leave it off the parlay if I were you guys. Askarov is actually a relatively heavy favorite. He's a pretty damn talented grappler, having an interesting story, being uh, only having 20% of his hearing and still managed to be a pretty damn successful fighter with a record of 14-0-1, has some victories against some hardened opponents, and uh, Kaikara France, relatively new to the flyweight division, dropping down from bantamweight in the last couple of years, but I'm actually going with the underdog here. I think Kaikara France's hands, and uh, yeah, he's, uh, he trains at a really good camp, and, uh, yeah, I just think he gets it done against Askar Askarov, albeit he's a, a pretty heavy underdog, so you might want to take that one with a grain of salt as well and leave it off the parlay, maybe make a single single pick with it if you want to rock with the underdog. And we got welterweight veteran Matt Brown, 41 years young, going up against Brian Barbarena, who's relatively long in the tooth himself at 38 years old. Matt Brown with the record of 25-18, and 18. Almost a 50-50 record, but, uh, you know, 
I'm just rocking with Matt Brown because I like him more. And <laughs> I want to see him run back the clock a little and see some of the Matt Brown of old. But who knows, man. Uh, you can't get that clock punched too many times in the UFC. And 41 is a bit of a, a hot minute to stick around. In a heavyweight fight, we got Iller Latifi versus Alexei Olenek. Uh, Olenek very long in the tooth at heavyweight right now. And he's got a crazy record of 59-16-1. and one. Iler Latifi's uh, uh, at 16 and 8, but he's had a, a bit of a hot streak. I think he's either on a two or three fight win streak against relatively good opponents. And uh, yeah, I'm rocking with Latifi in this one. And I'm relatively, I'll say I'm more, I'm confident in that pick. So yeah, definitely put Latifi over Alinek on the parlay. I believe that Nate Landwehr, David Onama fight has been canceled. So I'll leave that one off. Uh, and at one point, Jan Blokovic versus Alexander Rakic was on the card as well. But that was pulled off a while back as Jan Blokovic picked up a neck injury in training. So best of luck to the Polish men to return to form. And hopefully Jan Blokovic has a speedy recovery from that. And on the preliminary card, we see Another women's hot prospect in French woman Manon Firot versus Jennifer Maya. Obviously a big difference in experience between the two women. Jennifer Maya having a 19-8-1 uh, record and Manon Firot having an 8-1 record. But Manon Firot, uh, relatively heavy favorite, I believe when I last checked, she was minus 330 or 350. So... Uh, Many people saying Furah picks up the victory there. I think so as well. Then we got uh, two long-time, or relatively long-time, Neil Magny more so, UFC welterweights. Uh, Neil Magny at 25-9 and nine versus Max Griffin, 18-8. and eight. Neil Magny more of a, a long-rangey kickboxing style. Pretty damn good grappler as well. Max Griffin more of a boxing style. Uh, it's hard to say Max Griffin a bit of an underdog in this one both guys very similar in uh, age 36 for Max Griffin 34 for Neil Magny Neil Magny has 10 centimeters of reach also two years younger on paper it seems like Neil Magny is uh, the favorite for a reason but for some reason I'm saying Max Griffin though I might come to regret it <laughs> Mark Diakis, a uh, Nigerian turned Englishman at 14 and 5, has been on a two or three fight skid as of late, is going against rising contender Vyacheslav Borchev. Uh, similar age, similar height. Uh, Diakis having about 10 centimeters of reach on Borchev, but Borchev really looking impressive as late, 6 and 1, hasn't lost very much. And Diakis been on a bit of a downturn as of late. So I'm rocking with Borshev in this fight. And featherweight match, I think this might have gotten pulled as well. I haven't seen it on the betting website. But Tucker Lutz against Choi Sung Woo. Uh, I might not pick that one as I don't know if it's actually on the card or not. Um, so skipping down, we got Carol Rosa against Sarah McMahon. McMahon... Um, yeah, she's been on a bit of a skid as of late, not getting any younger. And Kel Rose is another woman's hot prospect. There's a lot of these uh, women's prospects on this card. I think they're really using this card to build up some of these women they want people to take a look at. So I'm definitely adding uh, Rosa 
over McCann, McMahon rather on uh, the parlay as well. And then we got Dana Dana Batchel versus Chris Gutierrez. Uh, Batchel with a ten and two record. Gutierrez is seventeen and three and two record. Uh, so pretty significant experience advantage. But Batchel uh, having the you know he's the favorite, and I'm probably going to rock with Batchel. Very similar physically, age wise as well. But yeah, I'm rocking with Batchel. Bit of a 50-50 fight, though, if I'm being honest. Mateus Nicolo versus David Dvorak. Dvorak 20-3. Uh, Mateus Nicolo 17-3-1. I'm rocking with the 20-3 lad. Uh, his record just stood out to me as more impressive on tapology. And it seems like he's on the rise at flyweight at the moment. Uh, undefeated middleweight. Al- Alish- uh, I'm going to butcher this name. Alish Kebab. Alishkab, yeah, probably Alishkab Kizriev versus Abis Magomedov. So Kizriev is 13 and 0, Abis Magomedov 24 4 and 1. So obviously I'm rocking with the undefeated Dagestani looking guy who looks like Habib's cousin. Uh, if they haven't lost yet, I'll generally rock with them, especially if they've had over a dozen fights like that. That usually says something to me. And furthest down the prelims, we got Bruno Souza, who's 10-2 against Luis Saldana. So, uh, Souza, five years younger, 26 compared to 31. Height is basically the same, virtually identical, and Saldana has about 8 centimeters of reach, which isn't that significant. But, yeah, I'm edging Souza in that one. And there's also a women's strawweight fight that got pulled off as someone was probably injured between Michelle Watterson and Amanda Rebass, which I'm very angry about because that would have been the dime, dime piece women's championship of the world. And I appreciate both those women because they're, they're my favorites. Um, yeah, that pretty much takes care of it. We're running pretty long here in the tooth for the podcast. I appreciate y'all for listening hopefully you got some picks from that um and yeah have a good week we'll be back next monday or tuesday something like that to run down all the ufc and boxing action over the weekend and talk you through any more breaking news in the nfl as there's been no shortage of that is late all right peace out y'all thanks for listening like and subscribe biatch